looking at my notes last night, and uh, I was like, man, we'll see how far we get with this today. Uh, because there's so much good stuff that I feel like that the Lord has placed on my heart to share with you guys from His Word. I want to start a new series. I'm calling it The Word for 2018. How many want a word for 2018? So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the Word of the Lord for 2018, the Word with a capital W. But I want to begin by looking at Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. You can read along in your notes, you can follow along on the screen. It says, How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth, you who have weakened the nations. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to the heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. And I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Nevertheless, you will be thrust down to Sheol to the recesses of the pit. What an encouraging word to begin with this morning, huh? <laughs> Anybody know who this, this passage of scripture is, is referring to? Exactly. So most commentators believe Isaiah was writing concerning Satan himself, Lucifer, before he fell. Uh, his name was Lucifer. And one of the things that we, how many would, just by looking at it, don't have to be a, a theologian to, to pick this out. What would you say the most repeated phrase in that passage is, I will ascend to the heavens. I will exalt my throne above the most high God. I will, I will, I will. And that very mentality and that thought process of Lucifer engaging his will and being more concerned about what he wanted and more concerned about his own well-being than he was about Wow, what a place he, he was at, the son of the morning. He was the one who was before, before the very throne of God and, and reflecting his goodness right there. Nobody was closer to the throne of God than Lucifer himself, who was, most people believe, the worship leader in heaven. And here he is in this incredible place, and yet it's not enough for him. He wants God's place, right? So he begins to kind of think about this and, he, and this whole idea of I will, I will, I'm going to change things, I'm going to make things happen. And, and for some reason, as I was thinking about this this week, it reminded me of sometimes how we are with our New Year's resolutions, right? I will lose that 20 pounds or 30 pounds or whatever it is that you gained over eating those three pies alone at Christmas. I confess that to you guys already, so I'm forgiven, right? I will go to the gym. I will read more books. I will. None of those things are bad. You know, Satan's whole thing was he wanted to uh, step into the place of God. But I think sometimes he begins to subtly lure us away from dependency of, on God. And he, we begin to kind of fall back on our own willpower. Now, how many of you have lived long enough that you've realized that every New Year's resolution you've ever made, you broke it, right? <laughs> or most of them, if not all of them, you've probably broken or I've broken. When we fall back on our own will, and last week I even talked about I made a promise to God that I will never make another promise again. 
I'm not going to make you a promise that I will. In fact, James kind of talks about this a little bit in James chapter 4. When he says, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and we'll make a profit. That doesn't sound so bad. But he says this, yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're just a vapor that appears for a little while. One translation I read this week says, you're like warm breath on a cold day. Now we can relate to that here in South Dakota right now, right? You can see your breath coming out of your mouth and it's there only for a moment. You're like a vapor that appears for a little while and then it vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and we will also do this or that. I want you to write this in your notes because I'm just kind of laying the groundwork this morning. We can either move into 2018 with I will or I am. We can either move into 2018 with I will, leaning on our willpower and gritting our teeth and trying harder for another year. 2018 is a fresh start, right? You ever, you, you feel, maybe you feel that way. 2018 is the fresh start for me. In fact, I used to think that like when you get saved, it's like a do-over. You get another chance. It's like, okay, here's one more try for you. I've given my life to Christ. Now it's a fresh start for me. I get to try one more time. Actually, becoming a believer is not about trying harder or one more opportunity to do better. It's actually about that the old you died and you're a brand new person, right? It's not about I will. It's about you're connected to the great I am. And as the great I am, let me just cut to the chase this morning. My whole purpose in this series, I've got three points. Point number one is Jesus. Point number two is Jesus. And point number three is Jesus. Amen. Right? And then I've got a little poem at the end that's going to go something like this. Jesus, 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 Jesus. And the second verse is even more powerful. Jesus, 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 Jesus. So the, the whole thrust of this series, is, it's already been happening in worship this morning. That's what worship is about. Getting our eyes off of ourselves. I've found when I look at myself, when I get my eyes focused on me, one of two things happens. Either one, which doesn't happen very often, I get really proud of how great I've been doing, right? I have done a great job with me. But usually that's short-lived, right? Most of the time when I get introspective, I'm like, oh my gosh, this and this and this and this. Yesterday we were driving down the road. I don't remember what we were talking about, but Tana says, what is wrong with us? And I said, where do you want me to start? <laughs> you know, it's like, when we, when we start looking at us, you know, when I look at me, when I get my eyes focused on me, man, I just find myself, most of the time I'm not getting proud. Most of the time I'm feeling pretty like, upset, almost depressed, right? But when I get my eyes on Jesus, when I get my eyes on the I am, then I can live from the I am. Because as he is, here's what scripture says, First John, as he is, so are we in this world. Not, I'm looking at you so I can try to act like you. No, I'm looking at you to find out who I really am. 
And when, and when I remember who I am, then I begin to live in the direction of his purpose and plan for my life and what's good for me and what's good for my family and what's good for destiny. And I begin to live from that place, not from trying to, I will, I'm gonna, this time it's gonna be different. This is my chance now. I'm starting over again. No, I've got to, for me, it's helped a lot when I've stopped doing that and I've, I've completely, no, I'm just gonna get my eyes on Jesus. I want to focus on you because when I see you, I remember who you are the I am. And then I remember who I am, who I am in the context of I am. And I live from that place. So 2018 for me is not going to be the year of I will. It's the year of I am. John chapter one, verse one, in the beginning was the word with a capital W. How many know John one, one is about Jesus, right? This is speaking about Jesus. We know that because later on in the chapter it says, and the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. So in the beginning was the word. So the word for 2018 is the word. Jesus is the prophetic word I have for you in 2018. Jesus, 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 Jesus. And I started every word with J so we could remember it. Right? Jesus, 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 Jesus. I love John 8:58 because this is really going to be what we're going to spend our time talking about over the next several weeks. John 8:58. Jesus is in this discussion and he's they're always trying to bait him and draw him into an argument. Who do you think you are? You can't be talking about how great you are or who Abraham is. He said, "Listen, verse he says that Jesus said to them, "Truly, truly I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. That is an incredible statement. He dropped a bomb when Jesus said that. The, the Greek is ego I me. It's the, it's the phrase that was used, of course, in Hebrew, in Exodus, when God wanted to reveal his name, he revealed his name to Moses as I am. Right? So when Jesus says to the crowd gathered that day before Abraham was, man, this is a loaded statement anyways. One thing he's saying is, I am, I am Yahweh, I am Jehovah, I am the God that was spoken about in the book of Exodus. I am aligning myself with that name, the sacred name. I am. Wow, that's powerful enough. But then when he makes a statement before Abraham was, I am. Amen. Oh my gosh. Doesn't that make your mind go on tilt just a little bit? Before Abraham was, I am. This tells us something about Jesus. It tells us something about God. That God always exists in the present tense. God always exists in the present tense. The was to him is I am. For us, when we're thinking past tense, we're just the way he said it. Abraham was alive thousands of years ago. But before Abraham was, I am. That's, a, that's an incredible thought, isn't it? So that kind of lets you know, how could, how could somebody like John, the same writer of the book of John, in the book of Revelation, end up writing about future events that are going to happen. How did he get to peek into the future events? Because after John, I am. 
You with me? After the first century, I am, or whenever, whatever you believe the book of Revelation is about. It was definitely was in John's future. I am. Isaiah could look into the future and could begin to see and get a glimpse of Jesus coming. But on our timeline, Jesus wasn't here yet. However, after Isaiah, I am. Right? I mean, the, you get the point. I'm, I'm really leaning into this. But our God is always present tense. So I'm going to again emphasize this this week. In your notes, watch out for future tripping in 2018. Watch out for future tripping. Future tripping is like going on a, a drug-induced high over what might be in the future. What could be happening in the future. And, and I think it's good to look ahead. There's value in that, absolutely. We talked about that last week. There's value in looking ahead. But what we can do is instead of living in this moment toward that day, we can get caught up in future tripping, either one of two things, either like, oh, maybe it'll be like this. It could possibly be like this. I wonder if it'll be like this. Or, man, I'll tell you what, I bet it's going to be bad. It's going to be awful in the future. I can tell you right now, looking at the economy and that guy in the president's office right now, I tell you, and it doesn't matter who's the president, whoever it is at the particular time, somebody's going to be upset and say, well, I tell you, because of who we got in office right now, we can be sure right now the Antichrist is about to come into power. I can guarantee you that right now. It doesn't matter. It's going to be bad in the future. I'm telling you right now, like my old pastor used to say, cheer up, it's going to get worse. So we can, we can future trip, but one of the things I really felt the Lord challenging me on this year is not to future trip, but to learn to live in the I am, or you can write it this way in your notes, stay present, to stay present with I am, or as I said last week, to learn to live and celebrate every yellow brick on the yellow brick road to the Emerald City, to learn to live and celebrate in every moment and to not miss out on every moment. I... This is a big deal for me personally because I will find myself in a conversation that's very important, but I know I got another important appointment coming up that I need to be thinking about or ready for. I think I need to be thinking about. And I'm missing out on what's going on right here in front of me because I'm thinking about what's coming up ahead of me in the next hour. Does anybody else do that stuff? Does anybody do this? Somebody's talking to you and you're too busy thinking about what you're going to say next that you don't even know what they just said. This is a good place to elbow your spouse right now, right? Some of you know you have a, a friend or a spouse that does that, or you're like me. I've been so guilty of that before in my life. And I want to learn. I, I, I just want to keep growing in being open to what God is doing in this moment, right now, this one we have right here together. I know you guys got, some of you got brunch coming up. You got some things going on. You're thinking about your, your belly's grumbling and woo, you, you just think about when that preacher gets done, I'm going to get out of here. <laughs> Learning to live in this moment and to stay present in this moment. We're going to talk about the I am. Jesus is the I am. In the book of John, he seven times uses metaphors to describe who he is. He uses the phrase, ego I me, I am. The same one we just read in John chapter 8, before Abraham was, I am. But throughout the book of John, in different places, he will tell us what that means to us personally. 
who, who he is for us in this moment right now. And that's what we're going to look at. So we can get our eyes on Jesus and who he is to us in this moment right now. So let's look at John chapter 6 and we'll see how far we get this morning. John chapter 6 verse 24. Here's the, here's the backdrop. Jesus has just fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. Basically a filet of fish lunch from McDonald's, right? He's broken the bread and fish, fed 5,000, probably 15,000 people. 5,000 men, another 5,000 women and children. That's what most scholars believe. Somewhere around 15,000 people he's fed with five loaves of bread and two fish. That's a pretty big deal, wouldn't you say? That's a miracle. Jesus goes up on a mountainside to pray and sends his disciples to the other side. Everybody else is just kind of resting, snoozing, you know, talking about the day. Whatever they're doing, they go to sleep that night. While they're sleeping, right, the disciples are out on the boat in the middle of the lake. And it is the middle of the night, like two in the morning or something crazy like that. And there's this huge storm that breaks out, right? You know the story. Then Jesus sees them of course God reveals father reveals this to his son and he sees this in the spirit he sees them struggling so Jesus gets down off that mountain he just walks out on the he walks on the water now we are like oh yeah I know I've heard this story a thousand times he walked on the water but ever since I've been a kid I've been trying this and it has not worked yet I used to, when I was a little boy, I grew up a preacher's kid, so I heard these stories all my life. And we'd go to my Aunt Betty's, and she had a swimming pool, and I'd close my eyes, and I'd say, this time, Jesus, and I'd go in, right? i practice it over and over and over and over again. So I just want to tell you, it is stinking hard to do, right? Not hard, it's impossible. You don't walk on water, right? Except that the water gets so excited to see you because of who you are that the water begins to exalt you and lift you up. Whoa! I could preach on that just a little while, okay? So he begins to walk on the water, and of course the disciples see him. They think he's a ghost. Why? Because who walks on the water, right? They haven't read this in their Bibles yet. Hey, I know about this. <laughs> I heard about this before. I read it over in the book. Of- no, they didn't have the book of nothing to read it in, right? This, this is, this is, there's no precedent for it. He's walking on the water. They think he's a ghost. And then Peter, <laughs> he's like, boat sinking. He's up there. Hey, I need to come where you are. He's like, the, everybody said he's impetuous and crazy. I think he was like, the boat's going down. He's up there. He's the one on top of the water. I won't be where he's at. So tell me to come. And so Peter steps out of the boat. You know the story. He walks on the water. The old sermon says that it wasn't that he walked on the water. He walked on the word because Jesus said, come. And he had a word from the Lord and he stepped out on that word and the same water that was holding Jesus up held him up. Incredible story. Jesus gets in the boat with them and all of a sudden, you know, the the waves and the wind obey him. They calm down and they find themselves. It's an interesting phrase. And immediately they're on the other side of the lake where they transported, you know, teleported. Immediately they're on the other side of the lake. So all this has happened, all right? All this has happened, but the people who are asleep don't know any of it. They don't know anything about Jesus walking on the water, anything about what happened with the disciples overnight. All they know is, this dude gave us a bunch of food yesterday. Where's he at? I, I want my belly. I want something in my belly. 
Right now I need something in my belly and I need to find him again. Something's going on. They know there's something up with Jesus. They're not quite sure what it is. But man, to hang out with a guy who can take nothing and turn it into a giant meal and I don't have to worry about food every day is a pretty cool deal. That's about as deep as it's getting for them. You see it as the story unfolds. So John chapter 6 verse 24, when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, again, they don't know what happened, they themselves got into the small boats and they came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. Notice that phrase. They are seeking Jesus. They are looking for him. That sounds like a good thing, right? They're seeking Jesus. Come on. I mean, that's what I said. I'm going to be preaching out for the next two, several weeks. Jesus, 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 Jesus. He said, seek me and you will find me, right? I want you to write this in your notes, though. Even if you're seeking Jesus for all the wrong reasons, he will show you who he really is. They have absolutely no idea who Jesus really is. Their only reason for seeking him, and he tells them this, is because I gave you all that food yesterday. Their only reason for looking to Jesus is what's in this for me. And I want in on whatever is going on here. This seems like a pretty cool deal. It's the slickest thing happening uh, in Israel right now, and I want in on it. But even though they're seeking him for the wrong reasons, he begins to reveal who he really is to them. And he begins to break open at least a little bit for some of them, for a few of them, begins to break open their, their view of him, of who he really is, their paradigm. Here's the deal, though. The risk is you may misinterpret who he is based on who you want him to be. Oh, man. You may miss it. This is what they're doing. They're misinterpreting who he really is because they already have in their mind wouldn't it be nice if Jesus would just fit into the box that I have for him? How many know everybody had a box for Jesus? Everybody had a box for Jesus. Everybody had a plan, including his own disciples. They had a plan for him, right? Even when Jesus says to Peter, I mean, he just had this conversation with Peter, who do men say that I am? And again, this is, people are seeking Jesus, but they don't really know who he is. And his disciples say, well, some say you're John the Baptist. They got you in the John the Baptist box, right? Some say you're Elijah. They've got you in the Elijah box. Some say you're the prophet. They got you in the prophet box. And they've decided who you are based on their ideas and their theology of who you're allowed to be in their life, right? And then Peter says, because he says, well, wait a minute, guys, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, right? Ding, 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 right answer, right? He, he, he gets the, the whole prize, everything, right? Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, flesh and blood is not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom, man. Simon, he, he, Peter's feeling good. <laughs> That's right, boys. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. You heard Jesus say it. I'm the one with the keys to the kingdom. Of course, he's talking to all of them, but I'm sure Peter hears it for him, right? Because what happens next is Jesus says, by the way, I'm going to die. Now, Peter pulls him aside. <clears throat> Jesus says, your chief staff, the one with the revelation, <laughs> 
the one who's had great revelation, flesh and blood, did not reveal to me, I would now like to uh, help direct your ministry a little bit. <laughs> right? You remember the story? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you out with a little PR. The death talk is not working for us. All right? When charisma comes to interview us, don't say that. <laughs> That's not working out well for any of us, including you. Far be it from you. What does Jesus say? Uh, get thee behind me, Satan. Now, that's a little bit different than flesh and blood. It's not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So Jesus says, hey, no, no, no. You don't even get it. Even Peter, right after, sometimes you can think you got Jesus figured out. You with me? You can think, oh, I got Jesus figured out now. Oh, man, I know exactly how he's going to do what he's going to do. I've been serving the Lord for so long. My theology is tight. I really get God. I really get him. I totally understand. I have my systematic theology. I've written a paper on God. I get him. I've written about him. You can read my book on him. I'll tell you who he is. I know exactly who he is. We can think we have Jesus figured out. Peter, he had the revelation. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. But he did not have a clue about the mission, right? He didn't at all get what Jesus was there to accomplish. And every one of us, we can look at Peter and go, yeah, <laughs> right, I would never be like him. Except every one of us are, right? Every one of us think, now we may not use those words, I got Jesus figured out. But when Jesus speaks or does something that is not on the radar for us, then we immediately, no, 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 that is not God. That's not God. That couldn't be God. That absolutely could not be God. Would never, Jesus would never do anything like that. And we can risk misinterpreting who Jesus is. Now, that won't stop him from revealing who he is. Here's the deal. We never could put Jesus in a box. We can't do that. He came out of the box when he rose from the dead and the temple, the whole veil ripped into no need for an Ark of the Covenant anymore. The box was blown open, right? No need for an Ark of the Covenant. Raiders of the Lost Ark, great movie. Loved it, loved them all, actually. All, anything with Harrison Ford in it, I love it, right? I love, the, I love that movie. But we're not looking for the Ark to find the presence of God. He broke out of the box, Right? So when we have a box we think is for Jesus, the only one we're boxing in is us. The only one, and here's the problem, we don't know we have it. Right? Are you with me? Everybody awake? You alive? We don't know. We don't know. These guys did not purposely go following after Jesus thinking to box him in. Now the day before, they wanted to make him king by force, right? They had another box for him. They want him to make him king by force and him to overthrow the Roman Empire. They don't know that's a box, though. They actually think that's biblical. They actually think that their idea of Jesus is a biblical idea. We're going to make him king because he's the Messiah, and he is king, right? So we're going to make him king by force, and what he's going to do is he's going to go kick some Roman butt. It's going to be the best action movie ever. Rambo Jesus is going to show up. That's old. Somebody give me a newer one than that. Uh, Iron Man. Iron Man Jesus, right, is going to show up. And he and the Avengers, those disciples of his, are going to kick some Roman tail, right? That's a box. And 
we don't know we have the box until Jesus starts doing and saying things that don't fit the box because he's not in the box. We are. We think we've, we might think we've got him in our little box, but he's not even in there. He's, he's outside the box. He's outside of time. Everything else exists inside of him. So he purposely, and if you, I encourage you today to go home this week, read John chapter 6. He poke, 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 poke. It's more than a poke. John 6 is like a sledgehammer on the box. By the time he's done, he said, hey guys, <laughs> you having trouble with what I'm saying? Well, eat my flesh and drink my blood. What? I mean, he says that, right? Hey, you struggling with what I'm saying about me being the bread of life? Well, just eat my flesh and drink my blood. That's what it's all about. Hopefully that helps you understand it a little better. He takes a sledgehammer to the box. You don't realize, and I don't realize, that we are in, a, we are in the box until we're confronted with something that makes us uncomfortable. God does not mind offending us, does he? He will, as I think it's Bill Johnson that says, God will offend our minds to reveal or to open up our hearts. Now, not everybody makes the trip with Jesus. I mean, this, this whole thing in John 6, never would any business leader tell you to grow your business the way Jesus is doing this right now. He's shrinking it, right? Everybody but his disciples leave after this conversation. Now we, after the fact, can examine what he said and we begin to get revelation of it. But when it hit their ears, man, this is new. No one's ever said something like this. And it seems to fly against everything they thought to be true of God. Now it was, it was not true. It, it was true of God, but they didn't realize it was true. It wasn't because it wasn't in the Bible. They just didn't know that it was in the Bible. They didn't realize he was actually fulfilling scripture and what he was saying. So you can, you can write in your notes, we're going to ask Jesus in 2018 to break the box. We're going to ask Jesus in 2018, Jesus, break the box. Not the box he's in. Oh God, I don't want to keep you in a box. You can't. I can't. And I know that I'm boxed in, right? I don't even want to speak for you. I want to, I want to, I'll speak for me so that you don't feel like I'm leaning hard on you this morning. I know I'm in boxes. I've got probably a, several of little boxes where my thinking is, is confined. And I'm missing out on the best that he has for me. So we're not going to go any further with this this morning. There's plenty of more to talk about. But I'm going to be back next week. So i got plenty of time, right? But this morning, I want us to end on this idea of let's ask Jesus to break the box. Now here's, oh, here's the problem with that. We're going to get offended. Or we'll have opportunity to anyways. Did you know you can get offended with God? If you've never been offended with God, you're just lying, right? <laughs> you can easily get offended with God, right? Because we don't understand or we, we, don't, we don't have the complete... There's, if we ever lose the mystery of God, then we're going to miss out on the more that he has for us. There's more that he wants to reveal, but it's going to re require 
that our boxes get shaken up and maybe even some sledgehammers. Not to us. Jesus won't hurt you. It may hurt our pride, but that's not really us anyways. We don't need that, right? It may hurt our theology, but he's bigger than our theology, right? And, and we need some stuff broken. I need some stuff broken. So I can see clearly who Jesus is. Well, I've got to be careful because the devil might deceive me. Uh, you're already deceived. Let's, let's, so am I. What we need is Jesus to reveal truth to us, to set us free from whatever level of deception we're already in. And if you're asking for bread, you won't get a stone. If you're, asking for, uh, if you're asking for fish, you're not going to get a scorpion, Jesus said, right? So you don't have to fear that. Don't be afraid the devil's going to deceive you. Trust that Jesus is big enough and Holy Spirit lives in-house. He's going to lead you into all truth. He's going to lead me into all truth. And in the process, he's going to break some boxes. Let's stand. Amen. Amen. I'm glad both of you were on board. <laughs> oh, Jesus is good. Let's do this. If you're here this morning, you say, I need to surrender my life to Jesus today. I want to give my life to him, surrender to him. And I don't want to run from him. I want to run to him. If that's you and your first time decision to say, I'm surrendering my life to him. One of the phrases I used to love to say all the time, I haven't said it in a long time. You'll never know the plan for your life without knowing the architect. You gotta know the architect. Now, oh God, I wanna know what is the plan. You gotta know the architect, the one who drew the plans. So this morning, if you've never surrendered your life to him and you want to, just raise your hand real quick. Myself and Pastor Tanner will agree with you today. You need to surrender your life to Jesus. Anyone need to do that today? All right, let's do this. Take your box. Here's my box, Lord. I'm lifting it up to you. Break my box. Why don't you just tell him that? Break my box. Break open areas of my thinking that are hindering what you want to do in my life. I just surrender to you. God, I know that means there's going to be shifts and changes in my thinking. And Lord, Holy Spirit, convict me when I'm offended by you and what you're doing. And remind me that you are God and I am not. Oh, you are God and I'm not. Boy, that's a lot of pressure off me too. You are God and I am not. I give you this box. Break it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You agree with that today? You ready for an awesome 2018?